accurate blue-collar theology to shield the mind, body, and spirit. This is Full Armor Radio. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Full Armor Radio. I am your host, Brandon Lockridge, and today we get back into the Belgic Confession. First, let's do a recap of the last episode in which we talked about Article 4 of the Belgic Confession, and we talked about the Confession's affirmation of the canonical books of the Bible. We learned the importance of this for two reasons— The explicit, number one, the explicit inclusion of certain books is also the implicit exclusion of other books. And number two, it helps to answer the question, from where does God speak? Now, that's not an exhaustive explanation of all the possible reasons for the writing of Article 4, Uh, we might be able to come up with more, but those are the things Uh, we discussed in the last episode. If you have not listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back and check it out. Today we will be looking at Article 5 of the Confession. The title of the article is, From Whence the Holy Scriptures Derive Their Dignity and Authority. From Whence the Holy Scriptures Derive Their Dignity and Authority. That's a mouthful of a title. Um, you, what you're going to come to see about Guy de Bray, the writer of the uh, Belgian Confession, is that brevity wasn't necessarily his thing, not something he did real well. Some of these titles and paragraphs in the Confession get pretty lengthy and in-depth, but I think there's something good to that. So for this article... The title is probably more intimidating than the paragraph itself. Uh, It's actually not a very long article. Now, I have a question that I would like to pose at the beginning here, and I want you to keep this question in your mind as we read Article 5, because Article 5 is the answer to this question. Okay, so... The question is, how do we know that the 66 books in the Bible, the ones listed in the last article, Article 4, are indeed the canonical books? Okay? How do we know that the 66 books in the Bible are indeed canonical books? Okay. With that question in mind, let's read Article 5. It says... We receive all these books, and these only, as holy and canonical, for the regulation, foundation, and confirmation of our faith, believing without any doubt all things contained in them, not so much because the church receives and approves them as such, but more especially because the Holy Ghost witnesses in our hearts that they are from God, whereof they carry the evidence in themselves. For even the blind are able to perceive that the things foretold in them are fulfilling. Okay, 
So let's break down this paragraph and see exactly how our question gets answered. So first of all, the article starts off by saying, we receive, quote, we receive all these books. Okay, this is important language the confession uses here because it doesn't say we approve all these books. It says we receive all these books. Now, this is contrary to what the Roman Catholic Church was saying, which is exactly why Debray writes this. Again, the article says, We receive all these books and these only as holy and canonical for the regulation, foundation, and confirmation of our faith, believing without any doubt all these things contained in them, not so much because the church receives and approves them as such. See, Rome believed the church approved Scripture. In fact, the Church of Rome still believes that they approve Scripture. In Canon 825 of the 1983 Code of Canon Law, and this is the the current up-to-date Code of Canon Law in the Roman Catholic Church, states this, quote, Books of the sacred Scriptures cannot be published unless the Apostolic See or the Conference of Bishops has approved them. For the publication of their translations into the vernacular, it is also required that they be approved by the same authority and provided with necessary and sufficient annotations. All right, so you can't, not only can books of Scripture not be Scripture unless they're approved by the Roman Catholic Church, but even to translate it into the vernacular of the common man, it needs to be approved by the Roman Catholic Church. This is actually why Rome was so upset at men like John Whitcliffe and uh, uh, William Tyndale, because these guys were translating into English. Right, They're taking the Latin Vulgate, and they're translating it into English, and Rome wasn't having that, so... Uh, okay, now, lest you think uh, that this was just a Catholic idea that popped up in the 20th century, as I had already mentioned just now, uh, this was taking place back in the 15th, 16th century. But let me just read you a quote. This is from Catholic Answers from their website. It says this, Although the New Testament canon was not determined until the late 300s, books the church deemed sacred, books the church deemed sacred, were early on proclaimed at Mass and read and preached about otherwise. Skipping down a little bit in their comment, uh, it says the process culminated in 382 as the Council of Rome, which was uh, convened under the leadership of Pope Damasus, promulgated the 73-book scriptural canon. So again, Rome approved the canon, the 73-book scriptural canon. Now you might be thinking, whoa, hold on, time out, wait a minute here. 73-book scriptural canon? Um, I was always told that there were 66 books, right? Isn't 
isn't it? 66 books of the Bible. What's going on here? Uh, remember, the Roman Catholic Church adds seven books of the Apocrypha to the canon of Scripture, and we're going to talk more about the Apocrypha in our next episode. We're going to do a bit of a deeper dive because Article 6 is all about the Apocryphal books. But the point I want us to catch here is that the Church does not approve the scriptural canon. We simply receive it for what it is, Scripture, right? John Calvin says this, quote, for if the church uh, for excuse me for if the christian church was from the beginning founded upon the writings of the prophets and the preaching of the apostles acceptance of it without which the church itself would never have existed must certainly have preceded the church so to expound a little further on what calvin is saying here basically it's really not even possible for the church to approve the scriptures because the church is founded on the scriptures. The scriptures preexisted the church. The church, as Calvin says, wouldn't even exist, really, if it were not for the scriptures. So the scriptures are preeminent over the church. The scriptures are authoritative over the church. So if the scriptures are the highest and greatest authority, how is it possible for the church to exercise power over the scriptures? Obviously, it's not possible. Martin Luther once wrote, The scripture is the womb from which are born the divine truth and the church. Right? Truth and the church come from scripture. Um, the truth is that the church, and this is, uh, I think, a very important point here, is that the church did not canonize the scriptures. The scriptures were canon the very moment they were written because they were the very words of God, right? They didn't need anyone's approval to be authoritative. Herbin excuse me, Herman Bavink in his book titled Our Reasonable Faith said the following, quote, we must not suppose, however, that the church made this canon or granted canonical authority to the writings of the prophets and apostles. Rather, those writings from the moment they were composed were immediately authoritative in the church and operated there as the rule of life and faith. All right, so we're clear now that Scripture is not canon because the church approves it as canon. So then back to the question that I posed at the beginning of this episode, how do we know that the 66 books in the Christian Bible are indeed canon? Well, Let's go back to Article 5, and let's finish the second half of it here. Um, it says, uh, okay, quote, not so, much be, uh, so, not so much because the church receives and approves them as such, but more especially because the Holy Ghost witnesses in our hearts that they are from God, whereof they carry the evidence in themselves. Okay, so... This brings us back to something we talked about in Article 3 of the Confession. Instead of 
asking, how do we know these books are canon? We asked in Article 3, how do we know this, the, the Bible, is truly the Word of God? And when we studied Article 3, we saw that the answer was twofold. Number one, the witness of the Holy Spirit within us testifies to the validity of the Scriptures. And number two, Scripture self-testimony testifies to the validity of the Scriptures. Well, these are the same answers, really, to our question in this article. How do we know that the 66 books in the Christian Bible are indeed canon? Number one, because the Spirit of God that lives within us, the same Spirit of God that inspired the prophets and the apostles and guided them to write Scripture, testifies to us that these are indeed the canonical books of Scripture. And this is, again, the same Spirit of God that has guided not just the the prophets and apostles, but all believers from the beginning of history onward and has testified to them that these are the Scriptures. We're not the first Christians in history to have ever relied upon the Holy Spirit uh, for the validity of the Scriptures, right? This is... uh, Never forget that these scriptures have been time-tested and put under under the microscope for centuries and have been validated over and over again. And then number two, so number one, witness of the Holy Spirit. Number two, um, scripture itself uh, testifies of itself, right, in the form of fulfilled prophecy and in the fact that it does not contradict itself anywhere, even though you know the scriptures had been written by many different authors at many different times in history. Um, now, if you haven't listened to the uh, podcast episode on Article 3, I highly recommend you go back and check it out. In Article 7, as I mentioned earlier, which is our next article, we're going to talk a little more about the apocryphal books. But for now, that's going to do it on this episode of Full Armor Radio. As always, if you enjoyed the content, please share the YouTube video. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, please share the audio. All of your shares and likes and subscriptions to the channel are much appreciated. And I want to thank you again for tuning in to Full Armor Radio. And we'll see you next time. God bless.